Welcome to Seasons! I am your host, Lauren D. McCoy, and I am so grateful that you pressed that play button. You're about to experience a very special moment. Seasons is a place where we talk about the different seasons we all experience in life, whether it's exciting, overwhelming, painful, or uncomfortable. We discuss what we do with the season we're in, how it makes us feel, the lessons we learn from it, and the stuff we sometimes don't want to talk about. But the topic of this moment is my story, and it's titled The Wander Years. So let's dig in. So let's do a little recap from our last two moments together, okay? So in our first moment, I introduced you all to my family. I told you how I was super spoiled, my parents got divorced, and then they threw me this huge fourth birthday party that I soon came to find out would be the last birthday I would spend with my entire family for a very long time. Then in our second moment, I shared with you all how my mom and her fiance (laughs) that I had never met pretty much kidnapped me from preschool and took me over 200 miles away from everything I knew. And we started a whole new life with not one, but six brothers. This was straight blended family at its best, okay? And then I I introduced you to Oliver and I shared how he soon became my dad, but not without a fight, of course. I gave him the business and how our, our bond just grew strong. It was so strong. And then let's see uh, how I had a real anger problem and would fight and cause all kinds of ruckus in elementary school and part of junior high. Things started to get better. And then all of a sudden, (laughs) we got thrown into a whirlwind when we received some very sad news. So let's pick up from there, okay? So after my baby brother Jared was born, my dad asked my mom to stop working and to be a stay-at-home mom. <laughs> Sorry, mom. She didn't like that very much, right? <laughs> she she was used to working hard. She was making, you know, she'd worked her whole life and made her own money, you know, But during this time, my dad had started going overseas doing military tours and, and, you know, he was in and out of the country for months, you know, sometimes a year on end. And so he really just wanted her to be at home with us. He wanted us to have some consistency. And, and so that meant for her to be a stay at home mom. And, um, there was this one time when he went to Japan for about six months and they allowed him to come home to visit before he had to do another six months and 
we we actually we liked it when he would go away because you know he would always bring us back amazing gifts and on this trip when he came back to visit he brought me back this beautiful silver necklace that he had made for me and it says faith in Japanese and so that's the necklace that you'll always see me wearing in any and all pictures okay even if it doesn't go (laughs) even if it doesn't go with what I'm wearing like I that necklace it only comes off when I sleep that's it and um you know I I have no other necklaces just that one and I cherish it and you know there's this one time when uh it broke like the clasp on it broke and I was just like oh no 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 like I literally like almost broke into tears there was there's some few like Denzel (laughs) Denzel from glory tear that came down my eye but I went got it fixed but the reason why this is why the the this is why this necklace is so important okay uh during his visit my mom had a doctor's appointment and the news from the doctor uh was not (laughs) what any of us had expected and she had been diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma which is a type of cancer now at this time we were living in a town called Los Osos and Jared was tiny I mean I was in junior high and he was in elementary school so you can imagine how this news took us by storm I mean here's my mom taking care of two kids her husband's out of the country not like out of town but he's out of the country like what's she supposed to do you know well you know you (laughs) you'll hear it from her in a separate moment where she'll share with us about this experience but right now I'm gonna share with you how this experience affected me which was not too good my mom had uh begun to decline very quickly and you know first off I guess let me just backtrack I I've never talked about this really uh and so even as me sharing this moment with you I feel myself getting a little emotional because I realize I I never really talked about it. You know, I've glanced over it or glazed over it or whatever you want to. I've talked about it, like just hit, hit it and stopped, but I've never really like just talked about it. So bear with me listeners. Okay. Um, but my mom had began to decline very, very quickly. And, uh, my dad had to go back overseas to finish his tour which meant it was just me and Jared. And she was at, I don't know if it was Stanford or UCLA, but she was at one of those places where she was getting treatment and she was like literally fighting for her life, okay? And we had friends and family that stayed with us, but this moment right here was where I went from being a little girl to doing my best to take care of the house, to take care of my my baby brother, to take care of myself, 
and a list of other things. And I had to grow up. It was kind of like a come to Jesus moment. Like you got to grow up because things got to get done, you know? And I knew it wasn't like, I didn't feel like it was, nobody told me I had to do it. I wasn't feeling obligated. I mean, I've just felt obligated. You know, I felt like my mom's not here. So I'm the oldest. I need to take care of things. I know how she would do it, you know? And, and I was angry. It was hard. I was angry that, you know, that she was sick and that she wasn't there. But I mean, I knew it wasn't her fault. And I tried so hard to do things as she would do them. But no matter how hard I tried, I wasn't her. And uh, we had we had family come help and church friends and stuff like that. But I felt like it was my responsibility, like I said, to make sure that things were done the way that she would want them done. And my dad was finally able to come back home and take a leave of absence, but he would be with her at the hospital most of the time. And it was super tough. It was super tough for a really long time. And I remember my Auntie Betty, she came to pick up Jared and I to take us to visit my mom in the hospital. And I couldn't even go in the room to see her. Like I stayed, I stayed out by the door. And deep inside, I felt like her getting cancer was somehow like my fault for being such a bad kid for so long. And I just didn't want to watch her suffer like that anymore. The person that I saw laying in that bed was not my mom, you know? And that faith necklace that my dad had given me, that necklace that it meant, (laughs) I mean, it was a faith necklace. So it, it went into full effect. My faith went into full effect during this time. And I didn't want my mom to die, okay? I didn't understand why this was happening to us, why it was happening to her. But I had faith that she would get better. And I remember my dad... He would try to cook for us. (laughs) He would try to cook for us. Like his idea of cooking was white minute rice with sugar, milk, and butter in it with a side of burnt Hillshire Hillshire sausage. Okay. And (laughs) we lived on that stuff for, I don't know how long. And it's funny because I had mentioned that to to my brother, Jared, a few months ago or uh, a little bit ago. And, um, he goes, man, I could taste that. It just, it was so good. And he goes, I tried to, I tried to make it one time and it just wasn't the same, you know, but by this time, my parents, they had moved my, my, my mom's parents or my grandparents, they had moved back to Mississippi, uh, 
and they were much older. So traveling to California was not an easy task, but they would always call and check in on her and I would go visit, you know, I'd visit my LA family and and stuff like that, you know, and they did, they came to visit one time, but, uh, my mom eventually came home after a very long time of being in the hospital. And I remember still doing my best to make sure that things were like, was like she wanted it to be and, and still juggling school and church responsibilities. But a while passed and she became cancer free. So things went somewhat back to normal. And then my parents decided to move someplace warmer. So we moved from Los Osos to Paso Robles. Now, mind you, okay, Paso Robles and Los Osos are about 45 minutes from each other. But Paso Robles had way more spots on their Dalmatian than any other place we lived aside from LA, okay? So I felt like I was in my element. And remember, this uh, this moment is called the wander years, okay? So we're gonna be all over the place wandering, all right? Um, but I felt in my element in Paso Robles. And so I, 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 I started to experiment with boundaries, and rules that my parents had for me, which came with quite a few lies and some manipulations along the way, okay? But by this time, I was a sophomore in high school. And in our house, rules were fully enforced and church was a non-negotiable, okay? Dating was something that was not even allowed until you were 18, Um, and going to school dances was frowned on, you know, even though they let me go to two dances in my whole life and during my school, I went to two dances. One of them was like my eighth grade, uh, graduation dance. And my mom was one of the chaperones. And the other one was my high school prom as a senior. Okay. And you could forget about listening to certain music that was not what my parents wanted us to listen to. Okay. So if it wasn't like Christian gospel music or Anita Baker, you know, that was an exception. <laughs> Anita Baker was an exception, you know, heavy D barely my, my mom, she let me listen to it. My dad wouldn't, she, she was different a little bit about some of the stuff we could watch, but, um, and y'all, there was one point, <laughs> there was one point when my parents had a block on the TV. Now, I don't know if that's still like a thing, but my parents, they, we couldn't watch, they put a block on the TV, so we couldn't watch VH1 and, or we couldn't watch MTV, okay? So VH1, me and Jerry were all about VH1 pop-up videos, like who remembers pop-up videos, okay? Those, (laughs) that was the, that was the jam, you know? And and MTV, like 106 in Park. And I mean, that was BET. Couldn't want none of that. Okay. So I would sneak, I would sneak and do things, not even caring if I, if they found out, like 
if I got in trouble, I was just like, this is worth it. I, I'll take the consequence. Okay. And there was, we had a family friend that she would burn uh, CDs for, for, for me and Jared sometimes so that we could listen to like the latest music and <laughs> shout out to her. Like, you know who you are. She made us some special treats. She would burn the CD, but she wouldn't put, <laughs> she wouldn't put like what was on the CD. So it would just be like a blank CD, you know, but I won't, I won't bust that person out, blast that person out, um, on live broadcast, but she knows who she is. And, uh, I, there was this, there was this place called the graduate. Okay in San Luis Obispo and that's where our church was and it was where a lot of my friends would go dancing on the weekends because they would have like high school night or something I don't even remember like all the details but I remember my parents would not let me go like it was a non-negotiable you cannot go but some of the church kids would go they would call it the prayer meeting okay and they they would leave church and they would go and then they would come back to church or you know whatever they would come up with some something excuse lie to get to the graduate okay and I would try and do that and I would get caught by by one of the older youth at our church and and they would send my butt right back home or to church or wherever I was trying to come from like you know, so thanks to Anthony H for, um, always making sure I didn't have more fun than I needed to have and keeping me on track, even though he was always there, but you know, he, he said he was there to, to make sure that we weren't there doing stuff we weren't supposed to do. (laughs) But, um, you know, there was always someone somewhere that was keeping an eye out to make sure I didn't do anything stupid. But I really just wanted to be carefree and do whatever I wanted. I wanted to do what everyone else was doing. And little did I know that my purpose in life was not to be like everyone else. And that God was truly trying to protect me for my future. And I came home one day uh, and my mom, she was crying. And this was one of those moments that I remember so clearly. And I asked her what was wrong. And she told me that my papa, which was her dad, had died. Now, in our last moment, (laughs) in our last moment, I told y'all, how much I loved my papa okay so I immediately dropped to my knees in disbelief I had never experienced a death that close to me before and I was like around 15 or 16 at this time and I had a job at Jack in the Box I think it was Jack in the Box I'm pretty sure it was Jack in the Box and so I gathered all the money that I had and I bought myself a Greyhound bus ticket and I rode all the way to Starkville, Mississippi shout out to MSU 
to Starkville, Mississippi by myself to be there for his funeral. And my papa, he had given me a bear when he had come to visit us a few weeks, a few uh, years prior. And I remember holding on to that bear the whole trip. And even as I'm recording this podcast moment, I have that bear with me right now. That bear is one of the things that I have left of him. And, but this was like my first introduction to to death. And I didn't know how to handle it. I hadn't lost people that were so close to me or special to me, you know, but this hit different. This hit, you know, like, you know, church members would pass away or friends, friends would pass away, but I had lost someone that was so special to me and all the memories uh, start to rush through my head you know during this moment of me taking this long long bus ride okay like how I would I would sleep right in the middle of him and my grandma in their bed my grandmother in the middle of their bed and they had this cool nightly routine of getting up in the middle of the night making coffee and eating pie or cake and I would smell the coffee and get up and go in the kitchen and ask for some pie and some coffee you know and he would give me both and you know yes I had coffee as a kid but it was more like coffee with my milk (laughs) and and how he would he would bake cakes and or pies and he would let me lick every bit of the batter off the spoon and the bowl and I just couldn't believe he was gone you know so soon after my papa's death my mom's cancer came back this was something that none of us expected yet again to take us by storm But this time, I I felt ready. You know what I mean? I knew the process. I knew the experience. You know, I was older and I'd been around the block a few times. And so I could hold things down for sure this time. Okay. And I did just that. I held things down best I could. Uh, And of course, you know, it wasn't perfect. And by this time, Jared was in junior high and you know, he could do for himself, but this didn't take away from the fact that she was still very sick and back in the hospital. I don't know how long went by, but she was healed from cancer again. And, but she was like never the same, meaning cancer and treatments It really took a toll on her body and she couldn't do all the things we used to do for a long time because like her immune system was, it needed a reboot. And, you know, we couldn't, we, we, every year, my dad, my parents would take us to Universal Studios and, and Knoxbury Farm and things like that. And that just wasn't something that was in the cards at the moment, you know, because she had to recover. Her body had taken a beat down, you know, and so she was healed, you know, and, and things went on, the beat went on. Um, 
And then let's see. Oh yeah. For many years. Okay. Many years. I asked my dad if he could, if he would adopt me. Okay. And I just was like in this place, so many things had taken place. And, you know, if I told y'all every single thing, it, it, we'd be here for a long, long time. But there's different things that happen between these different times, different events in life. But for a long, long time, I, I had asked my dad to adopt me. And I, I just wanted nothing to do with my birth name whatsoever. And actually, I was going by my dad's last name on everything anyway, you know, but my parents kept telling me, like, wait until you're sure, you know. And so when I turned 16, like, I was sure, okay, I was sure. And so I approached them and I was like, hey, you know, let's do this. I am ready. I am ready. I am ready. So my parents got a lawyer and they filled out all the necessary paperwork. And one of those necessary things was putting an ad out in the LA newspaper and serving my father with papers. And our lawyer told us that my father would have a certain amount of time to respond to the action, to the, uh, he, he would have a certain amount of time to, to respond to the actions. And if he didn't, or if he doesn't show up at the family court hearing, then he'll be forfeiting his parental rights. And so on September 16th, 2001, okay. Was it 2000? I think it was 2001. Yeah, I think it was 2001. Um, we went to, to the family court with some of our close friends and family that had been supporting us during all of these different things that I've talked with y'all about. And, you know, in my heart and mind, I was hoping, I was hoping like I, I, in that moment, I turned into that little girl that was waiting at the big window, looking down, waiting to see if he was going to show up. And I was hoping so hard that my father would come and say that he wanted me, he wanted his rights, he wanted my, his daughter, you know, and, and, but that's not how it happened. I left that courtroom with the name Lauren Denise Klein, and it was official. It was official. <laughs> and I was just, I was so happy. But at the same time, I was so sad. I wanted so badly for him to fight for me, you know, and that's not how it went down. But I was still so excited because I've been waiting for this for so, so long, you know. And soon after, you know, this this great moment. I headed out to Costa Rica on a missions trip and it was just so enlightening. This missions trip was so enlightening. I had a breakthrough moment where I forgave my father for all the things he did and or did not do, you know, and I remember writing him a letter 
And it was the most transparent emotion, emotion, emotion field letter probably that I've written to this day. Um, but just letting him know how hurt, how hurt I was and how I, I really didn't need him in my life and how Oliver, my dad, has been my dad and stepped up, stepped in when, you know, he, he did, my father didn't. And I asked him like, why weren't you there? But also in that letter were the words, I forgive you. I forgive you. I just wrote and wrote and and I mailed it to him. But I realized when I was on this missions trip that by me not forgiving my father, it was holding me back. I was the one not sleeping at night and fighting and taking my anger out on others, bleeding on people that didn't even cut me. And I realized that that's no way to live. It's not healthy. And at that moment, it was like a ton of bricks was lifted off my shoulders. Now, mind you, there were still times when even to this day that I have to self-evaluate and forgive again. Because feelings are feelings, you know, but it's, it's, it's what we do with those feelings that make all the difference in the world. Okay. Let me say that again for the people in the back. Feelings are feelings. Feelings are valid, but it's what you do with those feelings that make all the difference in the world. It wasn't fair for me to take my problems out on others. But that's what I was doing. And it was all for the better. Me writing that letter. And for those wondering, you know, his response to the letter was, I'm sorry I wasn't there. I'm not the same man I was back then. He said he was in a different place and going through his own stuff. And no one was, no one's perfect, you know? And, and those decisions are something he said that, that he has to live with for the rest of his life. And a follow-up, you know, he heard my moment about, the, you know, he heard my first two moments and, and he told me, you know, I, when, when I would stand at that door and wonder if he was coming back or he said he was coming and he didn't. And, and, you know, all those things, like we talked about that, you know, a couple weeks ago. And he said, you know, like I said, he was a, he was a bodyguard for, for, um, celebrities and he was on a tour, um, with Def Jam 
and he said he told my mom he asked he said you know I want you guys to come on the road with me blah 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 and it was kind of just like one of those like yeah we're definitely not taking a baby a three-year-old on the road with death jam okay like no that's not the type of environment like we already live in a crazy environment that's not happening and so you know that's what that was but we talked about it you know and that's what I mean by you have to continuously forgive it's not always going to be just like a I forgive you and I'm done type of thing you have to work at that thing and 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 there's sometimes I still I get upset when I think about stuff and like even doing moments like these like I I it brings back emotions and feelings and it's just like I gotta be better I have to set that example I don't want to go back to the way that I used to be so I'm moving forward I forgive again and I keep it moving you know and no one's perfect and those decisions like those those decisions he said he's got to live with for the rest of his life but there's still forgiveness there's still healing there's still growth you know and I'm not going to beat him up for that person that he used to be when I can clearly see that that's not who he is now and so from there, you know, we started a new relationship. I let him know, like, I didn't need a dad. Like, you, that opportunity, that ship has sailed, you know. But because I have one. And, you know, I I was open to building a friendship and going from there with him. And even today, I find myself sometimes, like, having trust issues. Like, it's something I'm, I'm fully aware of. And I'm always working to do better in that area. But it's still a thing, you know? It's an everyday process, like I said. And so I soon graduated from high school by the skin of my teeth, y'all. School was not my jam. But um, class of 2003, and I picked up, I packed up all my things, and I moved. (laughs) I moved, we're wandering, okay? Y'all still with me? We wandering. And I packed, I graduated from high school. I packed up all my stuff and I moved to a place I had never been before. <laughs> and so I moved to um, Milledgeville, Georgia, okay, to live with my auntie, my mom's sister, uh, who worked for and she lived at on the G- GCSU campus, okay. And I wanted to be the best cosmetologist in the world and do hair, okay? And so Georgia, they had one of the best beauty schools and I just wanted it so bad and I was gonna do whatever I needed to do. So I just packed my stuff and moved. But when I got to Georgia, it was not what I imagined. I mean, I was fresh out of high school, away from my parents, living on a college campus and I just wasn't ready for all the culture and the big city independent life like I wasn't ready and so I left and I moved back home for a short time and then I eventually got my own place um, while I was working and I was going to uh, our local community college so that beauty school thing it didn't work out Um, I came, I came back when I did, I did come back home though. So I was, I was, I had my own place. Um, I was going to the local community college. 
I was also going to beauty school too. So I did get back into beauty school. I got into beauty school locally, Um, but I was going to community college because I wanted to be an ASL interpreter. Okay. And, and study early childhood development. So like, I'm telling y'all we wandering. Okay. I am all over the place. And, um, so, but none of that worked out. Okay. Yes. I took four years of sign language. So I do know sign language, American sign language. Um, but like, I just realized that when God has a purpose for your life, nothing we try to do on our own will prosper if that isn't what he has planned for us. Okay. When God has a purpose for your life, nothing we try to do on our own will prosper if it's not a part of his plan for us. So just because we may think it's a good idea doesn't mean we aren't supposed to check in with him. Okay. And I wasn't doing that. I was just trying to live my life and do what I wanted to do. Uh, so remember how I told y'all that we had moved, uh, to this area from LA and we ended up going to Kojic church. And also remember in this earlier, in this moment earlier, um, I said, my parents wouldn't let me date. (laughs) They wouldn't let me date or anything like no, no boys. And I mean, of course, you know, I liked boys, but it was just like, I knew that that's not happening. And so now that I was on my own, had my own stuff, you know, now was my time to do me or what I thought was me. So there was this guy. Okay. We'll call him, uh, we'll call him Mr. Okay. Cause one of my favorite movies is the color purple, but we'll call him Mr. And, uh, he went to, to one of the church, the churches that we went, that, that we went to, and he was older than me and he was very popular with the ladies, but Mr.'s mom, she was one of those moms. She, she would tell you how it is. Okay. So she was one of the moms that was like, don't date my son. He ain't no good, but I was an adult. So I thought, and I was like, I'm gonna shoot my shot. Like, (laughs) I'm gonna shoot my shot. And well, I shot my shot, y'all. And boy, did it cause a million ricochets. Oh, gosh. You know, first, I hid the fact that I was even seeing this person because I knew, I knew my parents wouldn't approve. And because I knew. I had no business being with this person, you know? I mean, he he stood for everything I was not. And boy, did I severely bruise the relationship I had with my parents, even my brother, like even my friends. (laughs) My friends questioned me and was like, have you lost your mind? You know, like those are friends you want to have. You want to have friends that are going to tell you the truth, no matter what. Like they could care less if I was just like all about this person. Um, 
but <laughs> it was it was it was tough okay and but I felt like I was gonna do what I wanted to do be with who I wanted to be with and picking someone I knew my parents didn't approve of it made me feel like I was in control of my life you know but boy was I wrong I was wrong I was wrong and needless to say this relationship soon became very toxic and I found myself doing and acting in ways I knew was not who I wanted to be so I eventually found myself in a standoff it was either going to be me my family and friends or just him me and the other women he was messing with so I chose myself did it hurt heck yeah did I go back a few times probably like two but in life in life we sometimes we make really dumb choices and that was one of mine I should have never ever allowed myself to throw out all of my moral and spiritual values just so I could get attention from someone who clearly didn't feel the same way about me And the funny thing is, from the beginning, this person told me who he was and what he was about. And I chose to roll with it. And oftentimes we want to be valued by people we shouldn't, when in actuality, the real people that truly care the most about us are left to help us pick up the pieces we gave away. It's so important to love yourself and to value who God made you to be. Don't ever downplay yourself for anyone. My parents were quick to forgive me, but I know that that situation was something that that it hurt them deeply. Not only did it damage our trust and our relationship, but I mean, I felt ashamed. And I'm sure they felt ashamed too, because it was kind of like, you know, y'all don't have control over your daughter. Like, what's she out here doing? Why is she with this person, you know? And, And I'm sure I put them in a very uncomfortable situation, but... They loved me. They didn't love me any less. And they never stopped talking to me. And for that, I'm grateful. And I I never hashed out this conversation. You know, we didn't talk about it over and over again. It was just kind of like when it was done, it was done. But thank you, mom and dad, for still loving me. And not, you know, because sometimes parents, they, they they get caught up too. And, and it's kind of like things just could, could have went wrong real quick and bad between me and my parents. But there was grace, there was love, there was understanding, and there was forgiveness. And that's the most important thing, you know. And I know my mom had a lot to do with this because 
It was hard for my dad to see me with someone he knew was not the one for me. You know, I was his daughter. And so it took me some time, but I eventually bounced back. And I used that this I used that I used that experience to help other young women that may be going through something like that or wondering if they should date so and so or just not loving themselves enough to wait for the right one to find them. So to the ladies and the dudes out there, young and old, y'all, single people, single meaning not married, okay? But um, don't lower your standards because you're tired of waiting. God has the right one for you. And if it's meant for you to be alone, well, my advice to you is you better be the best version of yourself that you can be so you don't get bored with yourself, okay? Why waste your time kissing toads and breaking your heart into pieces over and over again? Giving away pieces of you every time you step into a relationship. Trust me, it is not worth it, okay? Not worth it at all. So next week, y'all, I'm going to be bringing my story to an end, okay? Well, my story isn't, it, my story is still being written, but so I guess... I'll be bringing you up to date. Yes, I'll be bringing you up to date. I'll be ending my current story. So stay tuned for next week's moment. And like I said, this moment was called the Wander Years. If you didn't see the graphic for it, it was this windy road just going all sorts of ways, curves and stuff like that. And so thank you all for being on my windy road with me of wandering. Um, And I... Thanks for listening. I I thank you guys for listening to my story. I thank you guys for your feedback. I love hearing your feedback. And if you'd like to have give me some feedback on this this moment, you know, I have my Facebook group which is called Seasons Podcast. You can follow me on Instagram. Uh, that handle is Seasons underscore podcast underscore, or email me. My email is Seasons the number four podcast at gmail.com. But I want you to remember that you are worth the wait. And no matter what, Jesus loves you. And that price has already been paid. So until next time, stay positive.